Today, my dear faithful, is Pentecost Sunday, and the epistle is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. When the days of Pentecost were accomplished, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty wind coming, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them parted tongues as it were of fire, and it sat upon every one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with diverse tongues, according as the Holy Ghost gave them to speak. Now there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded in mind, because that every man heard them speak in his own tongue. And they were all amazed and wondered, saying, Behold, are not all these that speak Galileans? And how we heard every man our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews also and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We have heard them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And the Holy Gospel taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and will make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my words, and the word which you have heard is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things have I spoken to you, abiding with you, but the paraclete, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring all things to your mind, whatsoever I shall have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. You have heard that I said to you, I go away, and I come unto you. If you loved me, you would indeed be glad, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it came to pass, that when it shall come to pass, you may believe. I will not now speak many things with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and in me he hath not anything. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father hath given me commandment, so do I. And thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. <clears throat> there appeared to them parted tongues as it were of fire, and it sat upon every one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Words taken from the epistle of today's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the year 1095, my dear faithful, the reigning Pope, Urban II, called a council for both the clergy and the knights of Christendom. Two hundred bishops, four thousand priests, and thirty thousand laymen assembled in a public square in Italy. Before this audience, Pope Urban preached a sermon calling for the First Crusade. 
the Pope recounted how, for the past three centuries, the soldiers of Islam had overrun the Middle East. They had conquered the Arabian Peninsula, then the Holy Land, then on through Asia Minor and North Africa. Constantly, the Mohammedan armies encroached on Christendom. The long arm of Islam had reached out to the west, conquering much of Spain, and in the east, they were at the doorstep of the Byzantine Empire, or what is Greece today. In fact, the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, even though he was a non-Catholic, he wrote a letter begging for help from the Catholic kingdoms. The emperor could not see how his empire could survive the Mohammedan hordes. And he knew, along with the many reports from the pilgrims to the Holy Land, that the Mohammedans were not kind to the Christians in their lands. The pilgrims to the Holy Land suffered constant abuse. The Mohammedans prevented Christians from coming, charged them exorbitant prices when the pilgrims were allowed, and they did not lift a hand when the Christians were attacked by thieves. And yet, with the enemies of Christ on their doorstep, and their fellow Christians suffering, the Catholic kingdoms repeatedly fought with one another. They shed Christian blood. The Pope saw the true threat, and he called for the warriors of Christ to rise up and defend Christendom. Christians, put an end to your own misdeeds, the Pope declared. Let concord reign among you. Go with confidence to attack the enemies of God. In answer to this sermon, many of the knights answered what was to be their battle cry, Deus vult, meaning God wills it. Each knight came forward, and the clergy attached a cross to his chest. That is actually where the name Crusader comes from, for they bore the crux, or the cross, and fought for Christ. Before this, how often they had fought wars against each other, Christian against Christian. And now, with one voice, as it were, they resolved to leave their home, their comfort, and their safety behind for the sake of God. That glorious day, my dear faithful, must have appeared something like Pentecost. Before Pentecost, the apostles trembled at what could happen to them if they would begin their mission of converting the world to Christ. You see, during the passion and death of our Lord, they all had lost their faith and hope. They did regain the faith after our Lord's resurrection, but after his ascension, when they were left alone, they were fearful men. The memories of what the enemies of Christ did to our Savior weighed on their minds. But they prayed as our Lord commanded, 
And finally, after ten days of this prayer, the Holy Ghost descended with a mighty rushing wind amongst them. The third person of the Blessed Trinity rested in the form of tongues of fire upon each of the apostles dwelling within them. At that moment, the apostles were truly changed men. The Holy Ghost strengthened their faith and filled them with such love for God, he made them saints. No sacrifice was too great for them then. No struggle whether traveling to distant lands, preaching before all, including the enemies of Christ, or suffering persecution and even death itself. Nothing was too much. The apostles were ready to bear any cross for our Lord. They were truly the first crusaders. Centuries later, the Knights of Christendom, they too were ready to suffer for Christ. They left home, comfort, and safety for the cause of Christianity. It is true, no tongues of fire descended upon them during Pope Urban's sermon. Nevertheless, these men, like the apostles, were lit aflame. The spirit of the crusade swept over the Catholic Knights and they resolved to fight for God instead of for themselves. Their faith lit their minds, and their love of God guided their hearts. What grace filled the crusaders, my dear faithful? In both Pentecost and the crusade, see the wonders God can work in souls, and know that is what he can do in us as well. The Holy Ghost waits and longs to fill our souls with his grace, to enlighten our minds and set our hearts aflame with love for our Creator and our Redeemer. Then and only then can we, like the apostles and crusaders, bring about change in the world. However, notice Pope Urban's command to the knights the preparation he demanded of them before they went on the crusade. Christians, put an end to your own misdeeds. Before these men left to help in the Holy Land, they had to earn God's blessings upon themselves by living their Catholic faith. They must strive for virtue themselves. And today, it is no different. Today, my dear faithful, we need a new crusade. We need a new Pentecost. The enemies of Catholicism cover the world. So many do not know the faith and are blinded by passion. So many seek only to live for this world, and that's it. Right here, is all that matters to them. How pitiable, my dear faithful. How sad. There is so much that is evil today. Who is there to oppose it? We can condemn it, but what good does that usually do? What evil does that stop? 
these people must learn the truth. Their hearts must be kindled with love of God and their souls restored to his grace. Only God can work such wonder as that. But there must be someone to earn these immense graces for them. To truly bring an end to the evil, then, we must pick up our arms of prayer and sacrifice. Win God's help for these his enemies, whom this sacred heart loves and longs for. But remember, Christians put an end to your own misdeeds first. How can our prayers and sacrifices be worthy of winning grace for the conversion of sinners when we are not converted ourselves? It is useless to decry the evils of the world and yet take part in the evil ourselves. We, my dear faithful, must practice virtue. We must strive to live a truly Catholic life. Patience and purity, modesty and charity, confidence in God and generosity in the practice of virtue, these must be a part of our life. Then, my dear faithful, only then, will we truly earn grace before God for this world to be converted. If we do this, though, what triumphs the Sacred Heart will achieve in souls through us? We can be apostles, winning souls to Christ. We will be crusaders fighting for the cause of God Almighty and His kingdom on earth and in heaven. Take part in this crusade, my dear faithful, for as the crusaders said of old, God wills it. The victory is assured. God only waits for us to join in the fight. Strive for virtue, my dear faithful, and with the help of the Holy Ghost, you will be glorious here on earth and even more so in eternity. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.